What's, What's up, ladies? Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman. I am Toshiba Oliver, one of your hosts. And I'm Leah Ross, your other host. Living as an urban Christian woman is an amazing gift and an incredible responsibility. We need God's truth to shape and transform us. The Urban Christian Woman is a space to help us grow in faith and steward who we are and the cultural context in which we live. On this podcast, we will excavate God's word and have great conversation about books of the Bible, discuss things happening in culture along with its challenges and how the Bible responds, and hear from and be encouraged by women living faithfully in everyday spaces for the glory of God. So listen, wherever you are, know that in this space, come on in because the water is fine and be equipped for everyday life through the Urban Christian Woman podcast. Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman. What's up, ladies? Welcome back to the Urban Christian Woman Podcast. We're so happy to be here. Hey, ladies. We are. We are happy to be here and jumping into the next installment of the Ways of the Kingdom. Yes, ma'am. Today, we are going to be in Luke 7 and 8. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we will be looking at the way of the kingdom is a call to live by faith. It sure is. It yeah. sure is. Yeah. So in chapters 1 and 2, Um, So far, just to track us back, we've seen the prophecy of the Old Testament coming through Jesus and by way of John. Then in chapters three and four, we saw the proclaimed fulfillment of the Old Testament law in Jesus. Chapters five and six were showing us the practice of Jesus's work. And now here we are, have arrived in chapter seven and eight, and we'll be looking at the posture of those who receive Jesus, the Mm -hmm. posture of those who receive Jesus. This is a good one. This is a good one today, Yeah, there's been mm, some just real gems Mm. that we unearthed here. So yeah, yeah. so talk us through like, where are we at with the key players and just give us some background. Yeah, so um, in chapter seven, we see the key players being the centurion, Jesus, um, the widow, John the Baptist, John's messengers or John's disciples, um, the Pharisees, and then the sinner woman of the city. And then in chapter eight, we see uh, Mary Magdalene, um, who is also just known as Magdalene in the in the text. Um, Joanna, Susanna, who are just super dope women. Um, Jesus the disciples, a demon-possessed man, Jairus, Jairus's daughter, and then the woman with the discharge. So those are the main key players. Of mm-hmm. course, in chapter eight, there's some other things surrounding that. Right. Like we see the text with um, Jesus and his mother and his brothers, but mm-hmm. they're not really key players. It's mm-hmm. just this really quick moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in regards to when this is taking place, this is during the time of Jesus's ministry. We're moving forward into his ministry, right? And um, it's taking place in chapter seven, um, in Capernaum, uh, this town of Nain, Judea, and then um, in the city as well. It's not very detailed in regards to what parts of the city. In chapter eight, Jesus is also in the cities and in the villages, and he is at the same lake that he was at when he calls the first three disciples. And then um, Jesus is, when he heals the demon-possessed man, he is at Gerasenes. So 
some of the reasons in regards to why this is taking place, it goes back really to chapter one. But throughout this entire book, we're going to continuously see Luke answering this question of who is this? And he's asking who it is so that those who believe will have certainty of what they have been taught, just as Luke was saying to Theophilus. Yeah. yeah. So um, some of the themes in chapter seven um, are the kingdom of God. Um, we're going to see this um, these these two ways in which we see uh, worthy and unworthy, but we're going to mm-hmm. see this word over and over in this theme yeah. over and over of uh, the worthiness and worthy. Um, and then, of course, the authority yeah. um, of uh, the word of God being Jesus himself, his authority. Yeah. In chapter eight, we're going to see faith. What does it mean to to be a person of faith? Um, the kingdom of God, um, sowing and and this context of being a sower, and then understanding what the seed is. And mm-hmm. some of those repeated words that we see in the text are just over and over again. In chapter seven and eight, we see faith. We see women. Oh my goodness. Mm. As Leah was saying, yeah. what is it, Leah? It's ladies night. Like, it's ladies night. It's ladies night in Luke. Luke seven and eight is it's ladies seven night. And eight. It's ladies night. So we see these women um, and the repeated words of these women. And then we continue to see these words of hear and hearing and good. Mm-hmm. So some of these key verses yeah, 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 yeah. So the key verses that we pulled out from from these two chapters are Luke seven twenty eight, um, where Jesus says, "I tell you, among those born of women, mm-hmm. none is greater than John. Mm-hmm. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he." So we'll unpack that a little bit, but it's really just the the culmination. Jesus is saying that even though John is sort of the culmination of all that was pointing to me. Greatest meant sort of nearest in timeline and proximity to the actual coming Messiah. Jesus says, in even even though all that is true, the kingdom of God so reorients everything that even the least who embraces the fulfillment of the new covenant is greater than the greatest of the old covenant. Mm. And so that's why we were kind of like, okay, this definitely anchors. This is a key verse. Oh yeah, uh, because it, it gives us that that foundation of you know the kingdom of God reorients everything, mm-hmm. everything. And yeah. then we also pulled out Luke eight fifteen. Uh, where Jesus, it's in the parable, he's saying, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And so he there is just given this whole breakdown of what the Christian life is from beginning to end. Yeah, the trajectory. Yeah, the trajectory. The, of the believer, yes, of the follower of Jesus. Yes, this yeah. hearing, this holding fast with a good and honest heart, this bearing fruit and this doing all of that with patience and endurance. Mm-hmm. So those are, I mean, that definitely is going to anchor us through all the other things that we're going to see in mm-hmm. Luke 7 and 8. Mm-hmm. And so let's just give that rundown of what we see. Yeah, yeah. In chapter 7... We are going to see the the narrative of this unworthy centurion um, and his faith being exercised in chapter seven, verses one through ten. So there's an, a centurion who is a Roman state soldier, and a little bit about centurions is that they were like the highest level up at the top, right. and they oversaw a group of one hundred men, mm-hmm. um, and they were just cold blooded. They would go in taking over stone cold territories and everything. So um, 
we have this centurion um, and he has this servant that he values mm-hmm. very highly who is sick. And so the centurion sends the elders of the Jews and then he sends friends to Jesus on his behalf. So you have these two encounters where the Jews are saying, hey, this guy is really worthy for you to take your time to come and heal him. And you see the Jews sort of showing this partiality, right? Right. And then his friends come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his friends are like, listen. He said, don't come. Don't." He said, do not come because he himself mm-hmm. is not worthy. Mm-hmm. And so exhibit A shows us that he holds no pretense about status and that he doesn't view himself, view himself as, as worthy. worthy. Even this high ranking Roman guard in, in sort of positioning himself to Jesus doesn't view himself as worthy. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. he sends a second wave of yeah. messengers that, like I said, his friends, and they're still saying that Jesus doesn't need to come. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the centurion begins to speak about his own authority to demonstrate that he understands yeah. Jesus's yeah. authority, He's right? Like, I get it. He's like, listen, you tell, you it. know, I get it. You, I tell my servants to come and they come. Mm-hmm. I tell them to go and they go. I mm-hmm. tell them to do and they do. Mm-hmm. So I get Get the whole understanding around authority. And so Jesus highlights his faith. And I love that he highlights it in this response of there is none in all of Israel who has exhibited faith like this individual right here, this centurion. And so the way the elders of the Jews speak about the centurion paints a picture for us of how much they were bought in on the cultural power structures, which is, which is, they were bought in. They were bought in. Even though they were the Jews. Yes. The Jews had bought into the cultural power structures that said the ones at the top, those are the people who have the power. And we believe that those are the people that we should elevate and honor. And Jesus's actions, Mm -hmm. um, which is one of the first, I think, implications through our interpretation is that Jesus's actions show that he's here for those who self-identify as unworthy Mm -hmm. and those as in this next part that we'll see who are labeled as unworthy by the culture when both groups demonstrate faith. And and here enters faith Faith. as a huge thing on the scene. Yep. Yep. That's Mm -hmm. so good. That's so good. And so, yeah, this this posturing of you can either self-identify as unworthy or maybe you find yourself as unworthy by the culture. Oh yeah. Um, and there's space for both groups to demonstrate this this powerful faith, um, which leads us to where Jesus enters into someone who the culture has labeled unworthy, mm-hmm. and that's like this trifecta of vulnerability: a right. woman who is childless and a widow. So mm-hmm. in 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 verses 11 through 17, Jesus, there's this instance of Jesus raising a widow's son. And that echoes this instance in 1 Kings 17, 17 through 24, when Elijah raises a widow's son, mm-hmm. which Jesus had already referred to in Luke 4, 26. Yep. This instance of Elijah raising a widow's son who wasn't even of the people of Israel. Right. And so here Jesus comes as a compassionate healer towards someone who is 
socially considered unworthy or vulnerable or extra super vulnerable yeah. in the margin. Yeah. Um, and Jesus just set, sh- proves and shows that he's constantly showing up for the lowly and the outsider. Mm-hmm. And so we see this contrast of the types of compassion he shows here towards her mm-hmm. within these hard truths that he's presenting to the hard-hearted to wrestle with, yeah. which is what we see coming up next. Yeah, and John the Baptist and his messengers in verses 18 through 25, we're going to get a, a really interesting mm-hmm. uh, part of uh, the text and scripture. And we see John the Baptist and his messengers, and John is questioning um, and to a degree, I would say is... He's doubting, uh, like, Jesus, are you the Jesus that I'm talking uh, about uh, is coming? I just want to know. Are, are you, you him? He? Are you, are you, yeah. are you him? Because I thought you were. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sitting in prison right now because I was right. standing on it. And so I'm just trying to figure it out. So even as he proclaimed the coming Messiah, John wasn't completely convinced Mm -hmm. that Jesus fit the bill. As a matter of fact, John's concern may have been aggravated by his imprisonment. And we see that in in the chapters before. So he's he's like, like, come on, Jesus, like, aren't you going to turn some things over here? Aren't you going to reverse the whole kingdom thing? That's right. So why am I sitting in prison? He was talking about earthly kingdoms. (laughs) Jesus is like, I'm coming to reverse kingdoms, but I'm talking about the kingdom of God. Because my kingdom is not of this world. Okay. I had to snap on the that's a nugget. That's a nugget right there. So anyway, John proclaimed the new way into the covenant, but he was still part of the old way. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, mm-hmm. you're proclaiming the new way, but you're living under the regime and yeah. you're still a part of the old way, the old covenant. So Jesus is making differentiation between the old way and the new way mm-hmm. by elevating the least as the greatest in the kingdom of God. And yeah. He says that in particular in chapter 7 in verse 28. He says, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And y'all, what we're going to see is that the Pharisees and the lawyers are rejecting the purpose of God for themselves, as it says in verse 30. Yeah. And we will see the account of the Pharisee and the sinful woman next and and tie this all in together. So Leah, talk to us about this sinful woman in the the city in verses 36 through 50. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does. It ties it all together because you have this woman who is actually, she is the least of the least. I mean, we. I know we keep saying that because there's so many women, and culturally at the time they were the least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you and I were talking about this, yeah. right? Like understanding how women. The reason why they're seen as the least is because women had no they had no rights, no rights. They had no rights. They had really no. They weren't really seen mm-hmm. as God sees, mm-hmm. saw mm-hmm. them in Genesis mm-hmm. one, and mm-hmm. so we see That's this context of these women and these women were allowed to be in the synagogue to hear the word mm-hmm. but that was it they that could it. they could yeah. engage in no other space right. outside of you just listen yeah yeah so yeah. talk to us so about in the these midst women of that, right in the midst of that you have this woman mm-hmm. who is known for her sin uh-huh. right that's what's identifying her mm-hmm. she's a sinful woman of the city in verses 36 through 50 she sees we see her coming into this space where Jesus was at a Pharisee's house. Mm -hmm. And so now we have two individuals spotlighted at this this particular moment. 
Jesus uses this interaction between him and this sinful woman and him as the and the Pharisee to illustrate those who are justified by the new way. So we see that it's not based on performance, but a posture. Wait five seconds. <laughs> Re, that's a tweetable. Yes. That's a tweetable. The, yeah, and, that, and that's one of our biggest takeaways, right? It's not based on performance, but posture. And so there's this unworthiness showing up again. What does a posture of unworthiness look like? A woman comes into this space where Jesus is at this Pharisee's house. And first of all, the fact that she came into the space. Girl, come on. A Pharisee. She came into the space. A Pharisee. She house. somehow mustered up the courage to come into that space because she wanted to honor Jesus in this way, mm-hmm. this way that was perceived to be super improper. Mm-hmm. And so there's something more that would have caused her to be that courageous. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna say is she knew who he was. Mm-hmm. He was worthy of it all. Like mm-hmm. putting for her risking it all mm-hmm. and putting it all on the line yeah. to to display this love yes. that she had from him. Because the Son of Man is who he says he is. This woman in the of the city gives all that she has and is not even concerned with her perception. Mm -hmm. She's not even worried about it. She gives all that she has and she's not even worried about how she's perceived. And so in the midst of that, this Pharisee is looking at, he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look, if this man, talking (laughs) about Jesus, if this man, you can't even call him Jesus. Come on now. If this man knew who she, he says he was a, he says he's a prophet. If he was really a prophet, he would know who this woman is, mm-hmm. which is then like exposing how he's just kept, he's got this huge shadow of doubt over who even Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Yet, although he invited him to sit mm-hmm. at his table, he's like just mm-hmm. eons from understanding who Jesus really is. Mm-hmm. And so even in the face of him, this Pharisee using the dis, this dismissive, this man, if he were a prophet, Jesus replies to him by name. Yeah, I I we got we got to put a a little footnote in there Leah because yeah. um in the text it articulates um that this Pharisee it says uh who had invited Jesus saw this he said to himself. Yeah. So either the Pharisee is whispering, he's talking to himself mumbling, under his breath, mumbling, or, or he's talking in his head. Yeah. Y'all know how we we can do that. And Jesus and in the midst of that, Jesus mm. perceived mm-hmm. what this man was thinking or saying under his breath. Mm-hmm. However, I'm not. I don't want to read into the text, but he perceived it, and then Jesus replies to him by name. So yeah. go ahead. Yeah, he, he just called. He said his name. He said Simon. I got to get your attention. That's it. So, so the Pharisee is right. calling Jesus this man. This man. He never responds to him as Jesus. Yeah. And then Jesus. And yet Jesus replies to him by mm, name. Go ahead, girl. So it's this. It's this contrast of uh, dignity and spiritual intimacy that Jesus is like. I'm gonna. I'm gonna extend that in this moment mm. because my desire is to draw out your heart. Ooh. And and he talks to her about. But he turns to her. And he's speaking to Simon. Yeah. But he turns to her. And he says to the, these, he's, he's drawing out this like, she is, she has given and she has poured out and she has anointed my feet and yep. she has, she has done all these things that you have not done. Yep. Yep. And then he says two very mighty things to her. He says, your sins are forgiven and your faith has saved you. Mm-hmm. Being divine, Jesus has, he has all authority. He has all power to forgive sins. And so we see that this woman's sins were forgiven, not just because 
not even because of her display of love, but because of her faith, mm-hmm. which was displayed through her acts of love. Oh, yeah. And that is that then is this juxtaposition of these two players right here, right? The Pharisee and this woman. Mm-hmm. The Pharisee is expecting what? Performance to save him? Mm-hmm. And yet this woman comes pouring out acts of love out of faith, mm-hmm. bold and courageous faith, as we've already addressed. Mm-hmm. And Jesus points to that and says, that is where her salvation comes from. It's coming from her receiving me, who I am, who I truly am yep. by faith. Yep. Yep, yep, that's right on point. So it's so then so then it cracks open straight up ladies night. It's ladies night. Ladies night. <laughs> it's ladies night in chapter 8. Yeah. Ladies night, ladies day. I don't know what time of time it is, but all I know is that like the ladies are on it's on 1000 oh, in this boy. Yes. Hey ladies. We are so grateful to bring you the ministry of the Urban Christian Woman right into your headsets, your airwaves, every single week. We have seen God at work through the varying resources of the Urban Christian Woman, be it the blogs, the podcasts, the events held locally in the Cleveland, Ohio area. Currently, we are seeking to reach our giving goal of $1,500 of monthly givers to fuel God's kingdom work in the lives of urban women all across the U.S. So we would ask you to consider giving as little as $5 a month to the work of the urban Christian woman and help equip urban women with God's truth for everyday life. You can give right now by going to www.theurbanchristianwoman.com. Thanks in advance for your investment into the lives of urban women. So the women and Jesus, we see the continuation of Jesus building the kingdom of God through through what in chapter seven, verse 29, he calls the least. Mm-hmm. And so there was a core group of women who were with Jesus in his ministry and played integral roles. So in chapter eight, verses one through three, we see uh, just uh, these women um, as Jesus is going through the city and villages and he's proclaiming and he's bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. So he's with the disciples. They're, he's proclaiming and he is bringing the good news of what we have said about Luke chapter four, verses 18. He's coming to tell it. And these women, um, these are the women who have been healed. These women are healed of their infirmities, healed of their uh, evil spirits. And so other than Mary Magdalene, the other afflictions are not specified. But what we know is that they were healed. Mm -hmm. And so we have Joanna, who came from major wealth, Mm -hmm. okay, Susanna. And then we have many more. And I love that, Leah, that he says he names Mary Magdalene. He names Joanna. He names Susanna. And then... He says, many more. I love that word, many, many. So Jesus sees the things of of this world as finite in comparison to his kingdom. And those who follow him acknowledge and live in accordance to this truth. So much so that these women are going to fuel the work of Jesus's ministry. And so we see these women elevated in the kingdom of God and they are using and giving what they have to the kingdom and for the ministry of Jesus. And this is why we're saying like from the center 
who was the woman in the city mm -hmm. to these women. Yeah. It's just all right. about the ladies because they are truly, right. truly on the missional work of Jesus right. because right. he has he has seen them. And I love that that like these two sort of instances of these ladies are back to back because yes. you have both leveraging what they have yes. for Jesus and for the Come kingdom on. of God. Come and on. for this sinful woman of the city, leveraging what she had is like, okay, this an expensive oil, which could have been used for scandalous means beforehand. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that she didn't have much, but what she had that was valuable, she leveraged for the kingdom of God, for, yeah. God, for Jesus, yeah. and to pour out in her love for yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And these these wealthy women, right, they also leveraged what they had. Yeah. Joanna's position in the house of hair, like there, there was so much that she was leveraging. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you guys have had a chance to go through some of these back, some of these resources that we gave beforehand, we were talking about them. Yes, talk about the, the Bible. Bible Project video. They they like put a full stop on Joanna. They're like, we got to park here. We got to park here. <laughs> pop open the trunk. Pop that and see what's actually here because mm -hmm. she was. I mean, like somebody who they say actually left her household. Mm. Okay. To follow, they didn't say anything about her being with her kids or anything like that. She was like, "Listen, I got resources, and I see this Jesus, this this more than just an itinerant preacher mm -hmm. going around, mm -hmm. and I need to be with him. I need to be where he is, mm -hmm. and I need to make sure that my resources are are following him, so that mm. he can do what he's supposed to do." Girl, girl, girl. So. Y'all better believe that we're going to come back and revisit Joanna here. That's just a little foreshadow. That's a little foreshadow. Because I feel like she might be a shero. Girl, she, she, I feel like she's, she's a solid shero she of the faith. She is a solid shero. And she's so overlooked. She's so overlooked. You, I know. You just get a little tiny glimpse. I know. But there's more there. Yes. So after this, Jesus tells these two parables to illustrate what has been taking place throughout all all of chapter seven in through a parable. And I just want to talk about just one more time what a parable is. When we get into parables, parables, um, as we shared in the previous podcast, were stories grounded in the real world that would relate to first century listeners. Mm -hmm. And they were used to provoke the audience and evoke a response um, that you will either see or you mm -hmm. will not see. Mm -hmm. And so going into the parable of the sower, it's a story of the word of God and its work in our lives in chapter eight, verses four through eight. And so I'm going to sort of set this up to sort of just tell y'all that there's these different types of soil and there are the, the parable flushes itself out to various types of um, soils as well as paths. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have the the seed on the path is trampled and devoured by the by the birds right then you have these rocks and there's seed that begins to grow but there's no moisture which causes it to wither then you have the thorns okay and the thorns the seeds are growing and at the same time that the seeds are growing the thorns are growing as well and so the seed eventually gets choked out um, and then there's this good soil where seed grows and is yielding, producing fruit of a hundredfold. And so we hear this parable and then Jesus is going to go through, explain not just the purpose of the parable in the text, but then he reveals yeah. the parable to the disciples yeah. 
by Jesus in, in verses 9 through 15. So mm-hmm. Leah, what is the revelation of the parable to the disciples by Jesus? Right. So first of all, the role of the sower is God himself giving the word. So the seed is the word of God. Mm-hmm. And then the seed that falls along the path, he says, this is what, um, when the seed falls along the path, what happens is the devil comes to take away the word from the heart's uh, from from which the word went, mm-hmm. so they may not believe and are not saved. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to say the rocky path represents those who hear the word with joy, receive it, but have no root. So they believe for a while, but then testing comes and they fall away. Mm-hmm. The thorny path is where for those who hear the word, go about their everyday life, but actually are choked by the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life, mm. which we had to fully stop there because Come the on. cares, riches, and pleasures of this life what are, they are a little throwback. Back to the woes. The woes. So when we were talking about the woes and the beatitudes mm-hmm. in the last episode, yep. woe to those who are rich. Woe to those who are full. Woe to those who laugh. Woe to those when they speak well of you. So this is a parallel of the cares of the world, of those who speak well of you. You're too concerned with that, too concerned with that. The riches Ooh, of this girl, world. Girl, you talking about people pleasing now? Hold on five seconds. Oh, Jesus. We had That's to. a whole word. Okay. And then the pleasures of this life. If you want to fill yourself up with laughter in this mm-hmm. life and then actually missing out, those things choke away the true fruit mm. that is to be born mm. by mm. actually entering into the way yep. of the kingdom. Yep. And it actually, in that text, it goes on to say, it says that you stay at a place of wherever your maturity is. It's mm-hmm. like an immaturity that lands itself. It's just like you just don't grow. Yeah. You yeah. don't grow. Uh-huh. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yeah. And then finally, the the path that has the good soil, the good soil mm-hmm. is for those is those who hear the word of God, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And so as we said with back in the key verse, this is the trajectory. This is the true trajectory of the Christian life. You have these steps of holding, hearing the word of God, first of all, Mm -hmm. hearing it. Mm -hmm. So being able to hear and receive it, holding Mm -hmm. fast in an Mm -hmm. honest and good heart. And the only way the honest and good heart comes is through the sanctification, Mm -hmm. right? That is is what actually creates that good, that pure heart. And then bearing fruit with patience. Mm -hmm. Those that endure to the end will be Mm -hmm. saved. That's a a cross-reference to that verse. It's a cross-reference to um, the verse in- uh, James chapter five, verse seven. Yes, Mm ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so this is the trajectory of the Christian life, both right. from hearing to fulfillment of endurance. Mm-hmm. This is what it is. Yeah. And I love that that's sort of the synonymousness with the book of Luke, too, because Luke is yeah. telling the life of yep. Jesus from the birth to the ascension. Mm-hmm. And can I just say one more thing? Yeah. And this did not, this is like nowhere on our notes, but I love the fact that. God is the sower. Yeah. And so, you know, in this performance context, in Old Covenant, come on, they used to think that it was their good deeds, their good works. It was them doing the work. But God is the initiator. Mm -hmm. He is the one who is sowing. He is the one who is sowing in you. So, girl, that just like, boom. That right there is an anchor, not only for us to see God, but also to see Christ, Mm -hmm. right? Because faith is... Is not of ourself. Come on. It is a gift from God. Come on. So that no one can boast. That's Come Ephesians on now. right Come there. Come on now. That's so Ephesians. So we are not, yeah, we are not producing some type of faith in and of ourselves. That's the it. The faith that we have is given to us by God the mm-hmm. sower when he implants mm-hmm. the word in us and it begins to grow. Come on now. 
So in chapter eight, girl, <laughs> chapter eight, verses sixteen through twenty-one, we be, we see the lamp under a jar, and it has been revealed um, so that. Um, those who uh, share true faith in him. So it's been revealed for you. And so you don't need to hide it, but you need to model it. And so Jesus uses this parable. And I've almost heard these sort of, both of these talked about in separate contexts. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, as we were going through it, it was like a continuation. it It is a flow. It's like, because... The, the word of God has been sown in you and it's being watered and the spirit of God is sanctifying you. You're enduring it. What is to be modeled out of that is no need to hide it, right. but to, to put it on the table, allow the those mm-hmm. to see the glory of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so as we see that um, playing out, we see Jesus modeling this for us. And we see it um, through his through the the interaction between his mother and brother. And so Jesus is doing the same thing here as when he was 12 in the temple. Jesus is modeling the example of the true family being made up of those who share true faith in him. And I love the fact that he's not saying, no, it's not that I don't care about my family. It's not that I don't love my family. It is the fact that because I am in submission to the Father and under the Father's authority, I do what my Father in heaven is calling me to do. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is modeling for us um, what he is calling us mm-hmm. towards mm-hmm. in our daily lives. So we get to chapter the, the rest of chapter 8 in verses 22 through 25. And Jesus is calming the storm. Jesus and his disciples are in a boat. He's in the same lake as where he called them. He's in Lake Genesaret where um, he, he provides an abundance of fish and they follow him. And a storm arises and the disciples are in danger. What are they in danger of? <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't know. But the disciples awoke Jesus saying, we are perishing. Now, let's let's land on this perishing. Panic. Okay. They said we are perishing. They They, panicking. They are amplifying. They're amplifying. They are amplifying their problems, y'all. And even tripping. They are tripping. Even when they went to the one they knew has the answer to their problems, Mm -hmm. their focus was still on their problems. So they wake Jesus up. Because he's in the boat, and they know they're going to get Jesus. Yeah. But what what are they saying to Jesus? Not master, take control. They, the first thing they say, master, we are perishing. Yeah. And we, this this word perish, it's the same word me and Leah were tripping out. But it yeah. says, uh, the, you know, John 3 and 16, mm-hmm. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, shall not perish. but have everlasting life. They said we perishing. We perishing. <laughs> So Jesus exercises his authority over nature by rebuking the wind and the waves. And Jesus asks the disciples, where Where is your faith? faith? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Right? They're at the same. This is why this is like, this is one of the moments where you're like, don't take the Bible. I mean, take the Bible seriously. But sometimes you just got to laugh because you're like, these are actually like fools just like you and me who show up walking alongside of Jesus. They lost. (laughs) 
They got lost in the sauce. They did. They really got lost in the sauce. But it's so hilarious because I'm like, yeah, it's so hilarious because I'm like, okay, I know how crazy I can get. <laughs> I can get straight up like, I'm perishing. I know. I know. Some of us been saying we perishing in the pandemic. In okay. The, okay. Virtually teaching our kids. We perishing. That was a whole word. <laughs> I don't know if you missed it. <laughs> so Jesus is exercising his authority over nature by rebuking the wind and the waves. And he is asking the disciples, where is your where faith? Where is your faith? They are up in the same lake where Jesus had performed the initial miracle that caused them to drive drop everything and follow him. That's a whole word. Yet. mm, Tell them. Apparently they forgot. They forgot. They forgot. But this is, but this is real because we can often be found in these same places where we know. Yeah. Now I'm not, I'm going to jump in a little bit here because I just feel like this is the momentum, but Mm -hmm. I know for myself, like I can be found in those same places and just forget, like forget the fact that Jesus has already exercised his dominion yes. over a particular area of life. Yes. Let me root my feet in remembering that. Mm. Okay, now I'm getting ahead of myself, but listen, in Jesus's question <laughs> to them is this. You're just going to drop that nugget and just, just keep going. Just keep going. Okay. The, he's saying, listen, y'all, the faith mm. that I know you have yeah. is not being exercised here in this here moment. It's not. Okay, I know you have it because it caused you to drop everything and follow me, but that faith is still growing mm-hmm. because in this here, different set of situations, same place, different situation, you're not exercising that faith. So then it ends with the disciples pondering this. They are, their question that they're pondering among themselves is who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? Mm. And that's crazy that they're asking this, this same question is same echoed question. by the Pharisees same one. back in chapter seven, verse 49. Yep. Who is this man mm-hmm. who forgives? Who, who is this man who heals? Who yep. is this man? And the, and the disciples are asking the same question. Who is this? Mm-hmm. 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 You see, they're they're seeing someone who is sovereign, who is who exercises authority over the wind and the waves, who then we'll see begins to exercise authority over demons and Ooh, disease. Girl. Who is this man? They're with mm. him and they don't even have a clue. They don't have a clue. They know, but they don't know. Mm. 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 So then who is this who exercises a dominion, who exercises authority even over this man with the demon that they're about to, once they get to shore, Mm. who's waiting for them? Ladies, if you're enjoying the ministry and content of the Urban Christian Woman, would you take a minute to write a review and give us a rating on iTunes? Our goal is to get truth into the hands of urban women. You can help us by leaving even a one sentence review and some stars. This simple act will help increase our visibility for more women to find this podcast and resources to help equip them in their everyday lives. So girl, what you waiting for? Just go ahead and do it right now. And if you haven't yet, join our community on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Urban Christian Woman, Facebook, The Urban Christian Woman, and on our website, which is theurbanchristianwoman.com. So then who is this who exercises a dominion, who exercises authority even over this man with a demon that they're about to, once they get to shore, mm. who's waiting for them? Yeah, girl, I'm going to tell you right now, what came to my mind when you was talking, I was like, ooh, 
Woo! Yeah. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And that Kirk Franklin song with Rance Allen, bless his heart today. He went to mm. he went home to be with Rest the Lord. Yeah. But he says something about that name something Jesus. Y'all name looked Jesus. at something about the name Jesus. It's the sweetest name mm-hmm. we know. And so in in chapter eight, verse twenty six to thirty nine, the disciples and Jesus came to land and were met with a man with a demon, y'all. And Jesus came for this man. Yeah. That's a whole shouting moment right there. Yeah. Nobody else. Nobody else was looking for him from there. In this space. And we'll see that in a minute. And we're going to see it. Nobody else in the space mm-hmm. is, is saved. They're is not looking healed, for him. They're not looking a, for him. Jesus came to the land for mm-hmm. this one man. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, and when he came, honey, Hanti, Hanti. This man saw Jesus. This man saw Jesus. And when he saw him, he was so in need that he cries out and falls down before Jesus with a loud voice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Woo, this is for me right here because I talk loud all the time, all the time, honey. So I was just so thankful that in the scriptures, it said with a loud voice. You, there's room for you. There's room in for, the word. For, for our loud sisters. There's room. Okay. But he sees his humble estate. He's crying out. He falls down and he calls out Jesus. He comes before Jesus with a loud voice. And this is what he does. He sees his uh, humble estate. He says, what have you to do with me? We're going back to that same thing that we've been saying in chapter seven, this unworthiness. And then calls Jesus by his name. He says, Jesus, son of the most high God. This is the first time that we see Jesus referred to as son of the most high God. Mm -hmm. Okay. He has a recognition of his authority, his dominion, his power. Y'all, it is all encompassing. And this man who is demon possessed knows this. Now, let me tell y'all what is so killer about this. Because we see Mm -hmm. at the beginning of eight, Mary Magdalene is mentioned and she has seven demons. But this brother right here who Jesus came for... He had a legion of demons and a legion is thousands of demons. And so this is a whole whoo girl. This is a whole point right here is that Jesus didn't care whether you had seven or whether you had thousands. Okay. Whether you were oppressed by a few or whether you were oppressed by many, because he is the son of the most high God, he is able to do what he says he will do. And so the herdsmen observe what happens Mm -hmm. and the townspeople hear it because the herdsmen are blown away by what goes down, that they leave and start running. These these jokers owning these pigs start running and they go to the town and they are all afraid so much so that they ask Jesus. Please leave. Please leave. Depart from us. Because they come on the scene and this joker who had thousands of demons. Thousands. Are now, is now fully clothed in his right mm-hmm. mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, I just need y'all to visualize. I'm visualizing it and I'm just in awe of God. I, it, awe. it just leads me to worship. Yeah. It leads me to worship the mm-hmm. son of the most high mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. But these people are asking him yeah. to leave because yeah. they are 
are afraid. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Think about that. And I love your like rightful response to just be in awe and be led to worship and cling to him because this man, once he was healed, he was ready to cling to Jesus without, without departure. He was, he wanted to cling to every fiber of him as long as he could. He did not want to leave Jesus yet. Jesus commissions the healed man. And he says, listen, you, you got go. You have been away from your house. You have been living among the dead. Return to your house. Return to your people and tell them, listen. So Jesus fulfills his mission so that the man can then, the healed man now goes and he's commissioned to proclaim the mission of Jesus Christ. Return to your home and Mm. declare how much God has done for you. Mm, 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 mm. That's a whole... We could stop right there, girl. Mm. But we got to keep going. So we see Jesus. Yes. So, I mean, I know. I'm like, he just keeps doing things, doing things, doing things. Then he goes on to the next thing. You're like, that's that's good, Jesus. I get it. He's like, I'm about to do one more thing. And one more thing. And then one more thing. Mm. And then one more thing. Ooh, that's and a whole so word right there. even after this amazing mm. encounter... The Thank next you, thing, Lord. we have this this uh, just equally as amazing encounter with these two daughters. Yes. And I'm calling this an account of two daughters because when we actually sat with this passage, we were like, there's so much parallel here between Jesus and Jairus' daughter mm. and the woman with the issue of blood. Mm. See, G- this is from uh, 8. 40 to the end mm-hmm. of chapter 8, we've got Jairus's 12-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. So who is Jairus, right? He's this high-ranking religious individual, and he's appealing to Jesus on behalf of his only daughter who is ill. Yeah. So Jesus, he's like, please come to my house, come to my house. Mm-hmm. And again, like we, there's other instances earlier in Luke where, you know, for example, the centurion's like, yep. just speak. Just speak. I know you have the authority. Ooh. Meanwhile, a religious th- authority said, says- come. Come, please come. And so I don't know. You can interpret like, did, was he seeking to see a miracle, or was he really seeking to participate mm-hmm. in the faith of Jesus? Yeah, I don't know. You don't know. I can't suppose. But what mm-hmm. I can say is that he insisted that Jesus come to his house. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is on his way. He was in need. And then enter this woman who has been suffering for 12 years. Mm. So we have this high-positioned little girl Mm. of 12 years old. And Mm -hmm. then you have this Mm low-positioned woman who has been suffering for 12 years. Mm. Don't miss that. The woman comes up from behind him. Already we've talked about this. The the woman, the sinful woman from the city who comes to behind Jesus. There's this lowly, like this posture of unworthiness. Yep. Okay, again, yep. again, where she comes up from behind him and she stretches to touch the hem of his garment, the stretching and the touching. She's stretching and touching this demonstration of coming out to receive mm. out of faith what Jesus has, the power of Jesus. And so Jesus says, somebody touched me. And the t- disciples, they don't know what he's talking about. They're like, people is pressing in on you, Jesus. What yeah, are you talking about? Everybody touching you. The we stretch, all tight. Right? And it's like the stretching and the touching Woo. was an act of itself of faith. Mm-hmm. And Jesus knows that. He identifies this. No, this touch was a touch of faith. Come on. This was a stretching touch. Come on now. So in the midst of all of this happening and this woman, he speaks to her and he um, affirms what she, her faith. Yep. He says, go in peace. Yep. And then in the midst of all that, Jairus's daughter is perceived to be dead. 
And so the messengers then come and say, don't bother. Don't worry about it. Jesus instead says, have faith, just believe. And this is the same thing that the suffering woman already had. He said, hold up. Hold up. Hold she up. coming back. She coming back. Y'all, she literally just went to her Bible <laughs> in a podcast. Literally. What you, about to, what you about to bring to the table? So this is what we were talking about. He says, daughter, your faith. First of all, he calls her daughter. Come on. Okay. Yeah. So Jairus has a 12-year-old daughter. And Jesus looks to this lowly woman who has been suffering for 12 years and he calls her daughter. Come on. And he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Mm-hmm. Go in peace. Mm-hmm. And then when he has to address the um, those that are coming on behalf of Jairus' daughter, mm-hmm. he's saying, have faith. Mm-hmm. She will be well. Mm-hmm. So he looks to this woman who acted and he says, no, this lowly woman, you had faith mm-hmm. and it has healed you mm-hmm. and you may go in peace. And yep. then he has to look to those who are seeking him and saying, no, have faith. Yep. It will be okay. She yep. will be well. Yep. And so the exercising versus the looking towards, no, like he has to actually exhort them to have the faith yep. that the lowly are willing to exhibit. Yep. Just, I believe out of just their posture of lowliness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that, so this happens. He says, have faith, yep. just believe, right? It's the same thing that this suffering woman already had. Yep. Jesus exhorts them, yo, y'all still have to go and get it. Have, yeah. Get the faith. And he charges yeah. them. After then, he heals Jairus' daughter. He then charges them to tell no one what has happened. When Jesus interacts, sometimes he's telling them, go and tell everybody, yep. right? This is yep. what he said to the man who was oppressed by the yep. demons. Yep. And sometimes he says, no, don't don't go tell anybody what has happened. Mm-hmm. I think some, you know, that for those that are um, healed by Jesus, they have seen what he's done. And to some, what was done and proclaimed by Jesus revealed the hidden things by faith. For others who lacked faith, they would have been telling about the wrong things, drawing Mm -hmm. attention to the miracle instead of true faith in the miracle worker, the one from God who heals both soul and body. Yep, you're right. Mm -hmm. And that brings us to just our overarching takeaway for chapter seven and eight. And this is it, ladies. Like, how are we called to live in light of Christ in chapter seven and eight? And so chapter seven and eight reveals to us Christ Christ is is. our Mm -hmm. worthy authority who produces eternal life in those who believe. That's it. Christ is our worthy authority who produces eternal life in those who believe. And so this has implications in our lives spiritually personally and social and culturally. And just as we said, in in the context of the implications spiritually, who is this Jesus? To me, we have to answer that question for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Is he the one, as he shows in chapter seven, is the ultimate healer, healing our greatest affliction, that of our souls, Is he Lord, Mm -hmm. the one with authority over nature and demons and disease and death? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. once we know who this Jesus is, we are oriented in our response to Jesus. Are we pursuing the performance or are we pursuing a posture? Yeah. Performance or posture, ladies. The one who is 
postured in response to Jesus sees themselves as unworthy. Mm-hmm. And the one who postures themselves in response to Jesus recognizes the worthiness of Jesus that leads to giving all. It mm-hmm. leads to a giving of all that we have for the kingdom of God. The way the sinful woman in chapter 7 did and all the women in chapter 8 did as well. They literally gave all that they had for the sake of the kingdom of God. So we see those implications spiritually. Leah, talk to us about the implications personally. Yeah, so we see in the parable of the sower, you know, we can reflect on this for ourselves. What path are we on? What harvest is being produced in our lives? So are we on the trampling path, the rocky path, the thorny path, or this good soil? The temptation to the thorns in the midst of the day-to-day challenges we are facing, like those are real. These mm-hmm. thorns we talked about, like this, these riches, the cares of the world, mm-hmm. all of those are real. They're real in 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 our daily challenges that we're facing. Yeah, is your empl- is your unemployment mm-hmm. um, and that that leading lack of stillness and waiting patiently for the Lord, mm-hmm. or uh, and, and filling it with lesser joys? That lack of unemployment is your is your work challenges are they leading to a lack of fruitfulness with work is your pandemic schooling exhaustion leading to disconnection of fellowship and relationship with your god and king Mm -hmm. and your kids Mm -hmm. is your excessive attention to the news media during the political election that's leading to anxiety uh is it is it fueling that is it fueling the anxiety Mm -hmm. is is the continuous sorrow and contemplation of over community leading you to complaining. Mm, mm, this is the, what yeah, she's talking yeah, about. Yeah. What path are you on? Yeah, yeah. What path yeah, are you on? Yeah, because those, all of those are thorns that could easily choke away. Yeah, the the fruit of that seed, or even just trials too, yeah. as well. Like just the basic trials. Next thing you know, you're walking away from the faith. Lord yeah. have mercy. We yeah. pray may it not be so, mm-hmm. but but. It's that nearness to God that he's inviting us to through the posture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And will you, yeah, so so then we ask ourselves, like, will we doubt and amplify our problems the way that the disciples did in the boat with Jesus? Or will we remember who he is, what he has done, and who he has called us to? The least he has made the greatest. He has he has called us, he has reoriented the whole thing mm-hmm. for that. And so we can either trust him or doubt and amplify these problems in the mm-hmm. face of the one who has already said, I am Jesus. Mm-hmm. Where is our faith? This is this call to remember or else we will be found in that very same lake with those very same issues or new circumstances in the very same place where mm-hmm. Jesus first instilled the faith, but yet we doubt. Mm. Yet we doubt. Mm. And so there's all these things for us to wrestle through personally. And then there's this whole other layer of what are the implications socially and culturally for us? Yeah, I would I would say one of the ones that we see is don't discredit the least of these culturally. Yeah. They are living testaments of God's kingdom and how we are supposed to be. Yeah. We the second thing is is that we're not discrediting and disregarding them 
But here's what here's what it is. We can be in this space, yeah. um, especially for us as women of color um, who are marginalized and experiencing that to feel like we're being disregarded yeah. and discredited. And God is saying, no, the, you're a living testament yes. of who yes. I am, yes. am, am, am in communion with, mm-hmm. who I am seeking. And then there are other places where uh, we're resisting and not placing ourselves in and with the vulnerable. Yeah. We're pushing against the very identity that 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 Christ is yeah. calling us yeah. to embrace because the culture, our Western culture, pursues the thorns. We pursue the pleasures. We mm-hmm. pursue the cares. We mm-hmm. pursue the, the riches. riches. Yeah. Girl, we pursue the laughs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm even just thinking about the, the level of sarcasm and like our sarcasm and cynicism yeah. as if it's a laughing joke. And Jesus is like, no, no, mm-hmm. no. These are thorns. And Jesus calls us to the opposite. Jesus is saying in proximity to the vulnerable, demonstrate proximity. And there is the power of the kingdom of God's yeah. transformation. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this yeah. wide and dynamic definition right. of the vulnerable right. that we right. see, right? Leo? Right. There is. There's a wide and dynamic definition. And yet Jesus is seeking them out always putting himself in proximity to these different types of vulnerable. I mean, if you think about even somebody like Joanna, who was, even though she was wealthy, she was considered vulnerable because she had some type of infirmity, first of all, and as a woman, second of all. And so there's these different dynamics of of the definition Mm. of vulnerable. And yet Jesus always finds a way to put himself in proximity to the vulnerable, demonstrating the proximity and the power Mm. of kingdom of God transformation. Mm. And that's crazy because for us, we think that that kingdom of God, maybe it's going to be like this neat, packaged, joyous, like jubilant Ooh, come occasion. On, come on. But actually, the places where the deepest suffering is, yeah. the places where we see the ugliest brokenness come of on. sin and our broken world are the places where God is waiting, eager and anxious mm. to crack open mm. underneath that mm. a demonstration of the glorious mm. making all things new mm. that is the kingdom of God. But we won't see that if we put ourselves in the pretty places. Ooh. We see that when we we see that Mm -hmm. when we put ourselves in proximity in those vulnerable places with vulnerable people and embrace our own vulnerability. And Leah and I have been talking a lot about this because we have this this saying that is on our boards. Mm -hmm. The 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 hard thing is not quote unquote the task, right? But the hard thing is drawing nearer. To God, it's drawing near to God because Christ will always draw you near to the vulnerable, yeah, so that you can see the vulnerable mm-hmm. and the unworthiness of yourself, yes. so that you can draw f- near yeah. to the worthiness of who He yeah. is, yes. And so, mm-hmm. Leah, yeah, this is a good word, I know. chapter seven and eight. Woo, it's yeah. a it was a whole. Whew, yes, Jesus, I am. Jesus, I'm, Jesus. Yeah, I am. I am continually encouraged by the way that Jesus is just showing mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. so much in His words. So let yes. me pray for us, Father. I am so, so grateful, you, so humbled by you, you just showing up. Yes, just Lord. showing up and revealing, yes, like unlocking these secrets of yes. of Your kingdom and yes, its Lord. values and its its call to Thank us you, to Lord. come and die and be with You and Thank to you, know Lord. You and to have fellowship with 
with you in this way. I thank you for the authority of Jesus, that he has authority over ourselves, that he has authority over all of nature, of of the heavenlies, of everything has been put under his dominion. And I thank you for that because he has called us into family with him. He has called us his daughters and we are his. And for that, we say amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Continue to just speak, resonate this word in our hearts this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed day, ladies.